right, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth, and um, we're just going to take a journey through this wonderful little book tonight, and uh, of course we won't cover everything, we never do, it's not possible to cover everything. We've been through the book of Ruth, as I was looking over some old sermons, uh, several different ways. One of the things that just amazes me about the story of Ruth from the Scripture is how in the world this young Moabite woman was rescued from her idolatry in spite of the backslidden, miserable condition of Naomi. And uh, it, it, it is a testimony, if it's a testimony to anything, it is a testimony to the fact that God wants to save souls. And God is willing to save any soul that is willing to come to Him. And sometimes we we look and we question and we say, now, what about the aborigines in Australia? And what about this? And what about... Well, let me, let's, before we get into the book of Ruth, let's, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23. And I want you to look at verse 3. Verse 3. An Ammonite or Moabite, shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to their tenth generation, shall they, shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Now that's a pretty strong command, isn't it? How many of you can trace your family back ten generations? Anybody here? I can go back... Okay, and that would only be probably 13 or 14 generations at the very most to go back that far. I, I, I can go back about four generations, yeah, my great-great-great-grandfather, and he was born in 1795 in France, and he was a soldier in Napoleon's army. Now, that's only four generations from me, and when Napoleon lost, he moved to Italy and changed the name Montor to Montoro, and that's how we got it. And, uh, but that's as ten, ten generations. God says the Moabite is not to enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, that's a pretty strong statement, is it not? And yet the story of Ruth, who was Ruth? She was a Moabite. And yet, if we look in the Scripture, she came to be the... Oh, let me count it here. One, two, three. So she was the great-grandmother of King David. A Moabite. Now, Philip, you sit down. No more messing around. Okay, maybe mommy can lend a hand there. And um, 
So we're going to just take this story here and we're going to go through and, and uh, just look at how God reached down into this country where people did not serve the Lord. How many of you have ever heard of the god Molech in your Bible reading? You know what Molech's favorite sacrifice was? Human babies to be offered as a burnt offering to Molech. That is the kind of place where Ruth grew up. That was the God that she worshipped, one of them anyway. And, I mean, you're talking about a people that is so debased, but, you know, you really stop and think about it today. Uh, we almost do the same thing. We just... We don't go to a temple. We call it abortion. We sacrifice little children on the altar of our pleasure. Uh, so don't get too hard on the Moabites. Uh, we're not too far behind them. You know that? But aside from that, let's move on. Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the day when the judges ruled the land, there was famine in the land. Now, does anybody remember what the judges when the judges ruled the land, what it was like? Just go back one verse, the last verse of the book of Judges. It says, In those days there was no king of Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no direction. Everybody kind of just did what they thought was right. And by the way, Even in our day and time, people do not purposefully set out to do that which was wrong in their own eyes. Do you know that? They believe what they're doing is right. They believe that it's good to do these things. They have all kinds of excuses and all kinds of reasons why why the debauched behavior of this world is okay and acceptable. In fact, uh, you may have seen it. I have certainly seen it over the years where someone will uh, pray for another person to get saved and when, uh, sometimes a husband or a wife and when that husband finally uh, gets saved or sometimes a son. Um, I remember telling one person one time, I said, you, you would rather have your son doing drugs and looking at pornography and going to the clubs like he used to do when he was unsaved, and now the fact that he's saved and wants to come to church instead, that bothers you, doesn't it? And that person looked at me and said, yes, it does. I'd rather have him the old way. And that person claimed to be a Christian. Now that's an empty statement, Amen. They lived in the time of the judges and there was a famine in the land. There was no food. There are many reasons why there were famines in the land during the day of judges. Sometimes God took the children of Israel and if you remember during the days of the Gideon, the Midianites came in and they stole all the food. That resulted in a famine. The Philistines would come at different occasions and one of the ways that you could attack your enemy without really having to engage in a battle as if you destroyed their crops, then in the non-growing season, people starved to death and they were weaker 
And when it came time to do the battle, you were dealing with uh, malnourished and weakened troops because they did not have the food and the things that they needed. It was, it was a constant tool and it's still being used today. Remember the famines in Somalia? There was enough food in Somalia to feed all those people ten times over. But it was rotting on the docks because the warlords kept the food from being distributed to the people because they wanted to dominate them. Nothing new. Famine. And it says, A certain man of Bethlehem Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Well, when the going gets tough, we say the tough get going, and they got going to Moab where they thought it would be easier. That's not the way it works, is it? Instead of seeking to God and doing the things that God would have them do, they said, you know, it'd just be a whole lot easier to change the way we dress and change the way we talk and just move down to Moab and pretend we're Moabites for a while. That's what they did. And it gives the names here. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. You know, things look like they're going to be doing pretty good. And things went well for a little while. Then her husband died. Well, it's still not so bad. And her sons had grown up in the land of Moab, and they took wives, and, and they were getting ready to have a family and all of these things. And that continued on about 10 years, it says. And then both of her sons died. And here we have Naomi all by herself. In verse 6, look what she says. Then arose uh, with her daughters. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Things got better back home, so I'm going to go back home. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go and return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, uh, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice 
and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold thy sister. Now look at this, verse 15. This is the one we wanted to get to. And she said, Behold thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Now could you imagine Naomi saying this? There's a reason why she did. Naomi was a bitter, backslidden, shriveled up believer in God. She was going to live in the land of Moab until she heard things were going well. She was going to be one of those people that was just going to roll with the flow. Wherever it was easiest, that's where she was going. You know, a lot of people take that approach to life. Let me tell you, there is no easy way to life. Amen? There are no shortcuts. You cannot get around. There, there is no easy way to build a character. And there is nothing worth having in this life that will not cost dearly. Amen? I mean, you cannot just kind of float along and hope everything happens to you just the way it's, it doesn't work that way. It takes a great deal of effort. And Naomi just said, it grieves me much. She said, yeah, I, I feel bad for you, but I feel twice as bad for me. Uh, she said, the Lord was, was mean to me. And, and now you have no husbands and I have nothing left and I have no hope. And so I'm just going back and, and to where I was because things will be easier for me there. And you guys go back to your gods and whatever happens, happens. Now, that, that, that to me is a tragedy. But here we have this poor, young Moabite woman who is sitting there scratching her head and saying, why is this woman who taught me about the God of the Bible telling me to go back to the gods of my country? You know, a lot of times people say, well, it was Gandhi that said, I would be a Christian if it were not for Christians. I mean, he, he had probably met some Naomi's along the way. And it dissuaded him. But Ruth had had enough of a taste, enough of an understanding of who God is and what God was about that she says, listen, I'm not leaving. I'm not going back to what I had. And people often quote this verse at weddings. Verse 16, it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither, I go, whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall uh, my God. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee in me. Now, that is a beautiful statement. Wedding ceremony is really not where that thing belongs. <laughs> but the idea ought to be there, amen, in a wedding. She said, I'm, I'm following you no matter 
what? It's beautiful, it really is. But the context here truly is that Naomi was saying, go back to your land and to your gods. And we're saying, please, please don't send me back there to those things. I want the true God. And so she didn't talk to her anymore. She went back, and of course, Naomi had words for all the people. I mean, they gathered around her as she went into that town. They said, who in the world is this? She said, can't be. Is this Naomi? Look what she said unto them. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, which means pleasantness. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. She's still blaming God for everything. And uh, it wasn't God's fault, amen. If Naomi had just stayed where she belonged, things would have been different for Naomi. But she went and they came back and... In the land of the Jewish people, they had this tradition that when they reaped a harvest of a field, they would lay their fields out, usually square, because you can put them right next to each other. And as you harvested your field, you drew a circle in the middle of the square field. And all the corners were left for the people who had no job, who had no land, who had no way of earning and, uh, their own income, and they would come in and they would harvest those corners of the field and they would be able to have enough food to live on. And that's what Ruth began to do. What was Naomi doing? She's just sitting in her house sulking. I mean, that's what we can tell from. I mean... And Ruth is coming back, and Ruth said, Listen, I'm going to take care of you. And so they went, and she just happened, just coincidentally, perchance, by mistake, not really intending to do so, on Ruth's part. But God knew exactly where he was sending this woman, didn't he? He sent her to the fields of Boaz. And Boaz was a near kinsman. And when he found out uh, about this, and, and from our understanding, Boaz was an older man. He was uh, not in uh, his prime, as, as we would say. And, and uh, people have tried to say that Boaz had other wives and other family members and all of these things, but there's no evidence of that in the Scripture. And, and by the way, if you'll look up uh, the genealogy of Boaz, Boaz really had a problem in uh, desire, uh, finding a wife. Uh, his mother, how many know who Boaz's mother was? Her name was Rahab. How many of you would like to marry the, how many of you ladies out here would like to marry the son of a harlot? Hmm? Don't think that would be high on your list. You imagine Boaz as he's trying to find someone to be his wife and all of a sudden, now wait a minute, your mom looks a little different. Oh yeah, you remember the story of Jericho? My mom's Rahab. 
Oh, really? That, that's who your mother was? Your dad's the one that married her? Yeah. Have a good day. We'll see you later, Boaz. We can be friends. Is that okay? I mean, uh, that's the life that poor Boaz lived. He was, he was rejected by his own people. And he had done absolutely nothing wrong. Amen? And here we have Ruth coming in and he hears the story and he takes care of her. He tells the, the reapers, he said, when Ruth's following you, drop a few handfuls on purpose. He said, make sure she gets a little extra. He says, because we're trying to take care of Naomi. And who knows, I, I believe Boaz was a very perceptive person and he was saying Naomi's still trying to deal with her bitterness and, and, and her loss and all of the things that has happened to her. It hasn't gone very well with her. And, and, but this, this Moabite uh, Ruth, her daughter-in-law, at least, at least she's doing something. At least she's trying to help her out. So you help out Ruth. And, it, and they went on and, and Ruth stayed faithful. Now, God at this time, while all this was going on, and this is months, as she is going out in the field six days a week, from sunrise to sunset, reaping a harvest, the work that the men did, Ruth was doing herself. This was not an easy task. And she didn't have all the tools and all of the thing that the reapers and, and, and the men had to do. I mean, it was twice as much work for poor little Ruth as it was for the other people. And what did Ruth do? She just kept doing day by day. I want you to stop and think about it. How many of you have ever made bread from, from scratch? Just It takes about a five-pound sack of bread to make two nice little loaves. And by the time you're done, you, uh, at least in our house, you take them out of the oven and they're gone. And now, how much bread do you eat in a year? Do you know how big a basket of wheat kernels it takes to make a five-pound sack of flour? I mean, you'll have, what, a bushel of wheat basket this big? That deep, you might get, what, 15, 20 pounds of flour out of a bushel basket? Maybe. I think we're being generous there. We're talking hundreds of pounds of wheat that this young woman had to lay by so that they would have enough food to get them through the winter. I mean, she was working every day and she didn't quit. Ruth kept at it because she knew one thing. If I don't do this, we're not going to have food to eat. And while Ruth was out there working day by day, God was doing things in the heart of Naomi and in the heart of Boaz. You see, the key to serving the Lord, the key for things happening is being faithful in the things that we can do. Ruth could not go out and just find a husband. That's not the way things were done in her day. But she could thresh wheat every day. 
Naomi could have gone out and tried to find her husband, but Naomi was still dealing with her own bitterness and her anger toward God because God didn't treat her right. And so Ruth kept being faithful. And old Boaz was watching because he wanted to take care of Naomi. I don't believe at the first Boaz had any concern at all for Ruth other than the fact that she had come back with Naomi and, and that they needed enough food to get them through the non-growing months. All of a sudden, Naomi wakes up in, verse, in chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee that it may be well with thee? She said, You know, maybe God is doing something here that I haven't been aware of. Ta-da! God used Ruth's faithfulness to shock Naomi out of her own bitterness. Amen? Naomi now gives Ruth the instructions that she should have given her the first day they came back. Because in the Old Testament law, there was provision made for taking care of the young widows. It was that a near family member, usually a brother, in this case there was no brother, there was no, there was no seed, if, if um, it, uh, there, there was no way that any, there was going to be any continuation of the house of Elimelech. His sons were dead, they had no children. It was over. That, that family would disappear from the genealogical registries of the nation of Israel. But God had said, when you get a situation like this, this woman is to be married to a near family member, and that first child, that first son that is born, will carry on the name and the heritage of his father. Naomi should have been filling out paperwork as soon as she got back in. She was too bitter to do that. It was Ruth's faithfulness that finally woke her up. And she told Ruth exactly what to do. And we read in the, in the passage here, and we're just going to skip through this very quickly. But what we want you to know is that Ruth just kept faithful. Do you think everybody that Ruth knew liked what she was doing? Do you not think that many people despised her for being a Moabite? I mean, they had the law behind them. Shall not enter into the congregation unto the tenth generation. There were those who would have taken advantage of her, I am sure, but God protected her. And Ruth listened when Boaz said, I've, I've charged the young men that they're not to bother you at all but you stay in my fields. Ruth could have said, you know, I think this guy is getting a little too close. I'm going to just go somewhere else. Then Naomi, but she just kept faithful. Then Naomi told her, he says, what you do is you wait until he's uh, threshing the harvest and everybody's gone to sleep and then you take the blankets that cover his feet and you fold them back so his feet are sticking out in the cold and you lay down and put your back up against his feet. That's what it says. Read it. That'd be an awful way to get a husband, wouldn't it, young ladies? 
Now, nothing wrong was done here. Amen. What she was doing was she was trying to let Boaz know, because Naomi, this is how it worked, that she wanted to be part of Israel and she wanted to, uh, she was willing to go through the tradition of the law if Boaz was willing. Now, let me tell you, again, as far as we understand, Boaz was an older man at this point. He, he, in fact, he makes a reference to that. Um, let's look it up at verse, uh, um, where is it? Right, verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, And he said, Boaz, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not the young men, whether poor or rich. Now, most of the time when we pick husband and wife, we try to get someone that's close to your age and all of this, but Ruth just followed the tradition and the things that were set before her. And Boaz took care of that. And you can read in here, they, they had uh, the exchange of shoes because there was another kinsman that was actually closer. They could have redeemed it. And you look at the way Boaz worded this thing. In verse, chapter 4, it says, in Boaz went, verse 1, Then Boaz went up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and said, Sit ye down. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it therefore, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Now, Boaz had his... Uh, oh, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to say his ace in the back pocket there. But he, 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 that's not a very good picture, is it? Uh, but Boaz had worded this in a special way. He said, listen, we've got to sell a field that belongs to... It's just business. And he said, well, I've got the money. I'll take care of that. And then look what he does. Then, Boaz, then said, verse 5, Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead for his inheritance. And I'll bet you he pronounced Moabitess just as loud and as long as he could, don't you think? And that guy looked, verse 6, and the kinsman said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Uh, if you want to take care of this, you take care of it. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now, this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore, the kinsman said unto Boaz, buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and to, unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Maon's uh, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place. 
ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and all the elders said, we are witnesses. Now look what they said. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel, and do thou worthily in Ephraim, be famous in Bethlehem, and let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and the children were born. We go down here to verse... Uh, 18. Now these are the generations of Pharez, and Pharez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, who married Rahab, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. God took this young Moabite woman and brought her into the very lineage, humanly speaking, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. If that's not a picture of God's love and God's redemption, I don't know what is. Amen? And we look how God worked in spite of the backslidden bitterness of Naomi. And that Ruth, even though she was the one that should have been being taught and learned of all the things of the Bible, yet she just abode faithful and waited. And that's what opened the door for God to do all the things for her. And you know, there's a lot to learn from the story of Ruth. Amen. It's just simply being faithful and letting God do His work in our heart and in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word tonight. We thank You for this wonderful little story of Ruth and Lord, how that you just stepped in and intervened in most wonderful way. We ask you to help us take encouragement and to serve you faithfully in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll take just a moment. Let's keep our heads.